0: Hi there, DSO friends. 2020 sure was a hell of a year and to celebrate this tumultuous year coming to an end and to start 2021 off on a high note, we've got a special promotion for you. You can win a free month of the DSO Connect member vault for January 2021. All you have to do to enter is write a review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. It'll only take a moment of your time and you'll be entered to win a month of our great content, which includes done for you social media posts, a task calendar, and this month only, you'll get my formula for using a free online scheduling tool to book trial classes that got me six brand new students enrolled in classes in just one week. This contest is open to studio owners who are already in the member vault and folks who missed out on the last time we opened the vault doors. So head on over to Apple iTunes and write us a review by December 31st to be entered to win a free month of the DSO Connect Member Volts for January 2021 and start the year off right. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Robin. And welcome. How's it going? What's happening? You know... How are you,
1: Casey? Why don't we move
0: the camera? I'm good. I'm feeling um, cautiously optimistic. Well, I'm let's say this. I am content with where my studio is at right now numbers-wise. It's not it's certainly still down from where we were this time last year, but I feel like I feel like it's okay where we're at now. We've had a couple of new people join in the last uh, week or two. And I am very much looking forward to winter break. <laughs> mm. And I think I've, I've just accepted the fact that I'm not going to see my family. We're not going to travel. We're just going to stay home. And it's going to be super chill. And I'm, I might be able to get a lot of things done that I don't usually get to do on winter break, because it's usually driving to Maryland, driving to Pennsylvania, driving to Michigan, going all over the place, seeing all the family, doing all the crazy things. And now it's just going to be really calm. So I'm actually looking forward to that. All right. Well, that's one way to
1: turn lemons into lemonade. Yeah, there you go. Mindset. So, Robin, who are we talking to today? Oh, I'm so excited about this. So, Jamie is uh, another important member of my team. Last week, we got to hear from Kathy, who's our office manager. Today, we're going to talk to Jamie, who is our HR director. And... um, She does a lot of other things besides HR. She also is um, our music co-director and a music teacher. And she just she does tons of stuff that we'll dive into. But um, she's also my friend. And um, this is Jamie. Hey, everybody.
2: How's it going?
0: (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. This is exciting.
0: Oh, good. So. I think we were just talking about this, that having an HR person at a dance studio is probably very rare. There are probably not that many dance studios in the world even that have an HR person on staff and you're full-time and salaried. Is that right? I am. Wow. That's amazing.
2: So yeah, go ahead. I, I think that HR person, HR director. The title may be a little deceiving. I wear a lot of hats. Mm. A lot of it is HR. A lot of it's HR. But it's ever-evolving, ever-evolving job title, job changes, job descriptions, as probably most people in the world. But yes, HR. Mm -hmm. One of the
1: most important things that Jamie does is she shops the sale shelves at Target (laughs) to buy toys for the birthday wheel. (laughs)
2: That is because my daughter and I absolutely love doing this. And it gives my daughter, she, she loves fill in the cart. What little girl doesn't love filling the cart with goodies, you know? Oh, my
0: gosh. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So give us a, a quick, as brief as possible, rundown of some of your main roles at, at
2: EMC. So I think um, some of my most important things that I do there is um, the interviewing process. The interviewing process usually starts out with me. Um, It'll start out with phone screening and doing things like that. So, interview processes. um, I do a lot with uh, just building and keeping employee relations and employee records. That's Mm -hmm. a huge deal. Um, And I'm a lot of times the buffer between Robin. And either parents or employees or student teachers or, you know, tough conversations, it's usually me that facilitates those if need be.
1: Yeah. And it, I would say that it's mostly you're dealing with the teaching or the, 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 our employees and our independent contractors, whereas Kathy maybe deals a little bit more with customers. Mm-hmm. But there's sometimes a little bit of crossover with that.
2: Right. Yep.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So
0: Robin, when did you bring Jamie on and how did you know
1: you needed an HR person? I don't know that I th- thought, I didn't really know that I needed one. Um, I had a, uh, another person working with me. Her name was Kim and she was wonderful. She did a lot of really great things for the studio. This was like 2007 to 2013 ish. And, uh, She, we called her the studio manager. So she was basically helping plan events and managing uh, our team members. And she did a lot of things and she took a lot of things off of my plate. And when it came time for her to move on to other things, she said, you should really talk to Jamie about filling my shoes. And Jamie was at the time, just not just a piano teacher, but you were a new uh, mom.
2: I was a new mom.
1: You were a new mom and you were a piano teacher. So you were only here a couple hours a, a week in a, in only that capacity. And so your background was HR. So that's kind of what you brought to the table. Mm. And so while I knew I needed help, I, because Kim had taken a lot of things off of my plate that I kind of wanted back, like marketing. Um, I took, I didn't give Jamie the marketing. I took it, and but then Jamie... It just kind of naturally settled in where I felt my strengths and weaknesses were and what skill set Jamie brought to the table. One of the things that I was most impressed about with Jamie, and I think that this is an important thing to consider if you're hiring somebody who doesn't necessarily know dance because she did not have a dance background at all. Um, I was always very impressed that um, when I would talk to Jamie about our dancers Not only would she try to get to know them individually. So if I said, um, you know, we're considering a different placement location for, you know, Jan. And uh, she would be, I'd be like, I I know you don't know who Jan is. And she and Jamie would say, Yeah, I do. I know who she is. Because I remember from the last conversation we had about Jan, even though she's never in the dance studios, she just made it a real point to get to know the students as much as possible. You always come to the shows, you always, you know, kind of see them. And and you're also very open to learning about dance. So, Um, I think it's important that if you're hiring someone who doesn't have a dance background, that they're willing to um, learn about the industry to a certain degree so that at least she knows like she's if we need a sub. If our ballet teacher is out, Jamie knows that you're not going to have the hip hop teacher cover the ballet teacher like you need to have a basic understanding. (laughs) Well, And
2: it's a big learning curve. It's a very big learning curve from someone who has never stepped foot in a dance studio before working there. I mean, I didn't have a clue, but I wanted to know. And if you take your job really seriously, then you start listening for what I would consider as buzzwords when interviewing or when trying to figure it out. You know, okay, so there's modern dance. There's a couple different. Robin really likes Horton, you know? So now I, I know I need to, what is that? I need to figure that out. I need to listen about it. Um, so yes, I think if you are thinking of, uh, bringing on an HR person, I don't think you have to pigeonhole somebody in the dance world, but you have to have somebody who's willing to be involved in your program.
1: Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I sometimes think it's easier to teach a non-dancer a little bit about dance than to teach a dancer a whole lot about business, maybe. I don't know. I guess it depends on the person.
0: Yeah, I know. That makes a
2: lot of sense. Yeah. So, and I think, um, you know, kind of backtracking to Kim, a a big, big deal um, when Kim was leaving was we, that is when we started transitioning from a completely independent contractor world to employee world. Um, and I think that that was a very, very large transition for us. We kind of uh, navigated those waters
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and it was bumpy, but yeah, it was time, and that that was a good transition because that was a good transition for me to kind of come in that way as well. yeah, and
1: I think a lot of, I, I don't know our studio owners still kind of resistant to transitioning from independent contractor to employee. Yeah, um, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So, so
0: Jamie, can you explain, like, what are the primary differences between the two?
2: Sure. Well, an independent contractor is, if you really take it in its most simplest form, they're independently contracted, meaning, you know, they have to be independent and separate from you. Um, and a lot of ways that you can define this is actually asking yourself some questions, um, you know, when when you want to hire an employee versus an independent contractor, you have to think think about who's who wants control. Do you want your independent contractor to have control on their work hours or their content? Because some people do. Some people want to, you know, have have somebody in a space and have it their space and they can do their own thing. Um, I think where we kind of ran into, um, we wanted employees is because we wanted to take some of that control back. We wanted to control our work schedule um, and their dance schedule. We wanted to control what was going on inside of their classrooms. And we wanted to provide things that came from the top, not from an individual, each individual teacher.
0: Right, so so in a dance context, if you are creating and setting and and distributing your own curriculum to your instructors, then your instructors are not independent contractors. If you're telling them what to teach or how right. to teach, they are your employees. If you hire them and give them totally free reign over their classes, then maybe they're an independent contractor.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Sometimes. Yes. And like when we have master classes and it's like, hey, you know, we have a uh, Nancy coming in and she is going to do her thing and she's going to have complete control over her four hours. That's independent. That Mm -hmm. is something that we are allowing somebody to come in and take the reins. Um, But if we hire Nancy and I say, you need to do this, 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 for this schedule, that is where the line kind of gets a little gray.
1: Yeah. And also if you're working toward a show and you are going to, want your teachers to, you know, follow a theme and come to team meetings and, and collaborate on a theme and and a big production, then that kind of leads me to think that they are um, employees. If you have the kind of studio, like, you know, you go to New York and there's like 25 different studios and all these different teachers with their their headshots on the wall and you, you know, pay by the class and, you know, it's just pick and choose. There's no performance. It's like, I want to take intermediate tap with this teacher. And, you know, that's more of an independent contractor scenario where everyone is kind of operating individually, but a hometown dance studio in most cases is probably an employee situation where you want to have more guidance and control over your, over your, um, over your teachers. And that's a hard pill to swallow because it's very expensive. But there's a bright side, right, Jamie? Because There's a very bright side because as we,
2: as we enter every season or new seasons within our studio, we have talks with our teachers and set our expectations and we have agreements with them. And, you know, these are things that are really, really important and they're very very um they're positive on our end because we set our expectations and our teachers know what our expectations are so if we ever have any issues or if we ever have anything that um may have some negative rumblings um and i don't know the right verbiage for that but things that are kind of things that happen in in places of work absenteeism lateness You know, if you set your expectations with your employees and they agree to them going into it, um, we have the power. We have um, we have employers have rights. We have power. We want our studio to run the way we want it ran. Mm -hmm. So those are those are really good things
1: and when it comes to absenteeism and vacations and things an independent contractor can legitimately they're they're within their rights to say hey I'm going to be on vacation and unavailable to you the week of your show whereas an employee says that and you're like no you need you're an employee i they ha, they need to ask for time off and we always try to grant it because we're, we're trying to be very good to our people, but we don't have to. And we're within our, our rights to say, no, that's really not the right week for you to go on a cruise. So, um, no. <laughs> right. And we try not
2: to make our expectations so far that they're not attainable. Yeah. I mean, we can't say you're never taking off labor day because, That's nuts. You know, what if somebody, their mom, you know, their sister is getting married or something that weekend, you know, you have to make things attainable and reasonable. Um, So I think making hard, fast rules is also kind of, it's difficult. It's difficult to keep. So you have to set expectations at a reasonable level. The
1: other thing to consider in that equation is whether they're full-time or part-time. If someone is a full-time employee, then again, you have a little bit more, um, uh, I don't want to say power, but you, you literally, if it's a part-time person, you kind of know, well, this is just their part-time job. If you are a little bit too stiff and unbendable in your um, leniency, then they may say, I don't really need this job. And I I'm fine working elsewhere. If it's their full-time job, they're more of an integral part of your team and they're more essential and their responsibility to you is increased. So I think that, you know, you're not going to take your your head teacher and just be like, yeah, it's okay. We'll just do the show without you. No, I need you. And you know, I need you. And please do your- And you will be there. Yeah. 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 But like Um. with everything that we do, it's a human business and we have to be- um we have to be compassionate and we have to treat our people right and we always try to do that um i was going to say another a, a great thing that we have
2: implemented for our employees is doing check-ins and mm. do it virtually right now um before when they were independent we couldn't um we couldn't demand it and it's not that I'm demanding it, but it's my, my verbiage to them is you need to do everything possible to make it to our check-in meeting. And those check-in meetings are fabulous. They tell us so much about what's going on in the studio. Um, because a lot of times um, the studio owners aren't able to touch every class. It's impossible. It's, un- it's impossible to know exactly what um, Susie's doing Monday through Saturday, every day of the week. But when we do our check-ins, it's like, okay, Jamie is talking to all of our dance teachers this week. She is asking, how's your classes going? What's going on with your choreography? Where's the troubles? Where's the successes? How, you know, how just how did the week go guys? How did the month go?
0: And, and how often are you doing those check-in we meetings? those monthly meetings. That's you know, awesome week
2: of every month. And I, I mean, our studio is a little bit different, but I do, you know, I'll do uh, all of our gym teachers on Wednesday. I'll do our dance teachers on Thursday and our music teachers on Friday. And that's every month. Um, but man, a lot of really, really good information comes from those meetings. And I think it is absolutely a, a, a piece that was missing with us for a long time. And it's, I think it's a great piece to implement into everybody's can, studio.
0: Can you give us an example of some, of a, of a nugget of really good information you've gotten sure. from those. So I'll
2: say, you know, I'll say, um, you know, Hey guys, talk to me about this group and I, you know, group A, how's group A and everybody has really positive things. And I'll say, okay, how about group B? And they'll say, okay, Well, group B is having some trouble in X, Y, and Z. And I have a couple of talkers. And then the next teacher say, oh, my gosh, those same three are kind of giving me a little bit of trouble. And then we all work together about, okay, we're seeing a pattern. How do we make this better? How do we make this work? And we join forces and say, we're all going to be on the same page implementing Mm. this plan for those three dancers.
0: So these aren't individual check-ins. This is at your whole. I do a group. I do a group
2: group check-in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we do a group check-in every month and to follow up with what you said, we do a yearly um, employee review Mm -hmm. and that's where Robin and I sit down um, and I prepare for these. I I actually prepare a lot for these because it's a whole year of information. Um, You know, a teacher who could be rocking it in January could have really struggled with something in July and then completely turned it around. So there's a lot to talk about in a year. And so anyway, the the individual ones are just as important as the bigger ones. The bigger ones that are monthly are just great because you can problem solve immediately and say, Mm -hmm. great, done, Let's, let's move on from this. And next month, let's make sure that when we backtrack and go over our notes, that we've made progress. And if we didn't make progress, why? What happened? What's going on? That's brilliant. Yeah. And it's nice, too, with choreography. I mean, if you have teachers who are really, really confident um, and aren't afraid to raise their hand and saying, I cannot wrap my head around this. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then somebody else can just raise their hand and say, I got it. When what What night are you working on this? I'll come help. Or, you know, what can we do? And it's just... It, it
1: really um, encourages a team. Yeah. Encourages- another thing that another thing that we have been able to accomplish in these group um, talks is uh, having a, 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 a line of consistency throughout the classes. So in our program, if you're in the diamond level, then you t- everyone takes three ballet classes a week a modern, a jazz, and a tap. So all of those teachers who are working with those kids to touch these kids in- on different days. We might say, all right, in November, we're going to work on performance quality because we've got our show coming up. In January, we're going to be working on headlines and um, heads and arms. And maybe in February, we're w- all working on extensions. And so by having that consistent thread throughout all the mm-hmm. classes, you know we can kind of hone in um, let's say someone we're having an epidemic of knee problems. I'm not this was a couple years ago. We we're just like everyone having knee problems. What's going on? And then by everyone sitting down together, we can say, Oh, well, I've really been noticing forcing of turnout. And then, you know, the ballet teachers can be like, okay, I need to be careful about that. And the jazz teachers, like, well, I've got some exercises for, you know, developing the rotator so they're not cranking from the knees. And then, you know, if there's a consistency. Yeah,
2: that's beautiful. Yeah, I love um, that. We also use it as um, which kid which kid, do we need to pluck out and make feel really good this this month? Do we have anybody that's just, we're noticing they're sad or they're just becoming a little withdrawn and we need to just blast them publicly with praise and, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, things like that or you know somebody who is absolutely just excelling and it's like wow what are we going to do with this one and oh yeah I've noticed her too and yep she's killing it in tap and it's just really good because when you have an army like that we can we can see every kid and mm-hmm. even though I don't teach them I also can email a parent and say hey Your kid's name came up like three times in a staff meeting for absolutely being a rock star this week. Way to go, mom and dad. And that makes them feel good. Yeah, that's awesome. This direct, you know, like, and I don't, I'm not big on titles, but like, oh, you know, hey, this person who's not even teaching my daughter is hearing her name a lot. That's, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. It's great. It's just great to just keep the relationships flowing.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a quick break here and we'll be right back with Miss Jamie. Believe it or not, we're already looking towards summer 2021 and planning our amazing retreat. We've got some great things in the works for you, and we're going to be releasing information soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, you can grab a replay of our 2020 retreat. The virtual retreat includes amazing business content, including studio reset, marketing and social media, developing your inner leader, building community, and getting the most out of online platforms, Kajabi and Trello. Plus there's great teacher training content that you can share with your staff like honing your teacher's eye for ballet, building your tap curriculum, jazz fundamentals, contemporary and improvisation for the young dancer, building a solid structure for hip-hop, and so much more. Catch up on all the amazing, juicy content from our 2020 retreat for just $197. Go to DanceStudioOwnerConnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab to grab yours today. All right, we are back with Jamie Ferguson, the... HR person at Robin's studio. So Jamie, I want to hear more about your employee reviews that you do annually. And what all do you go over in those reviews and the logistics of even like scheduling them? If you have any tips for that, (laughs) because I'm sure
2: that's kind of a nightmare too. (laughs) It's it it is. Um, But I'll preface this by saying it's well worth the pain of scheduling. Okay. Um, And surprisingly, um, Our employees really, really look forward to these too. Do you call them employee reviews or is it like? Yes, because I thought of doing evaluation and that's for some reason has a negative connotation to it. Um, But if you say it's a review and I've learned people used to get really nervous about these. Yeah. Tell them, hey, this is us making a connection. This is us sitting down talking about your year, talking about your job, your classes. This is a way for us to just to connect. And when I say that they breathe a little bit easier because I used to, and we've had a pretty, pretty, um, good staff the past few years. Um, say meaning, um, no one's panicking anymore about these and they're all pretty good. And I, when I used to, schedule everybody <gasps> well how do i prepare what do i do what should i say you know and i just say hey i am going to send you a template before and you're gonna know exactly what we're talking
1: about and it's the same template every year we're just going to Is talk it about when you send the it year. it's already filled it's already populated with their details when mm-hmm. when you send it so they walk in already knowing they know what we're doing they know what we're talking about they
2: know because so, I want I want them to come as prepared as I am.
0: Yeah, so nothing's a surprise them- to them. It's not like you're it's not like you're sneaky about like,
2: hey, you called out too many times this year. And And if they're calling out too many times, they already know it. right. They know we're going to talk about it. They know it's going to be a big point of contention with me. And we've probably already talked about it three, four, five times. Mm-hmm. So they' they're gonna know um, because you want them to succeed
0: at your studio. Mm-hmm. I do. You want all your employees to do their best work to be successful and to stay. And so you're going to do everything that you can to make sure that that happens and surprising them by with reprimands is not the way to do that.
2: <laughs> no. And it's not, I want these to be things that people look forward to. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be this dreaded meeting with Jamie and Robin and it's, Oh my gosh, what are they going to say this year? How are they going to tear me down? Um, You know, a lot of these meetings are, hey, how was my communication with you this year?
1: Mm. Did you
2: feel like you got enough from me? Um, And if you if I didn't do it to your expectations, what were your expectations and how can I do this better? You know, and that really just opens up the lines and they say, you know, um, I thought that spring show went really, really well, but I kind of struggled with the summer camps and how we scheduled that or. You know, so we kind of just walk through our seasons and um, it always just flows, you know, and you'll, you know, with each of your teachers as, as they stay with you on a longer term, um, some struggle with this and excel in this and it's backwards with others. So we get to know where our strong suits are and where we need help. And I think that these reviews just really, really facilitate those relationships and how we, can, yes,
1: make everybody succeed and easily. And one of the things that I think we do a good job of, Jamie, is you know we might have a teacher that is really great with the kids in the classroom, but is not good at typing anything up or using the computer. So oh we God. know that we're not, I mean, at first it's like, all right, let's try to help them gain this skill. And then after six years, it's like, I just don't think it's in her makeup. So let's not keep trying to force a round peg into a square hole and let's, um, let's pick up some, let's show her some grace, pick up her slack on there and let her thrive in the place that she thrives. Mm. You know And so we know that there's one instructor in particular that struggles with um, choreography. So she's more of a technique teacher, you know what I mean? So we're not going to give her choreography. We're gonna let her shine as a technician and really work in that regard. So because we have a, a real team, this this kind of adds to that whole team environment. And because everyone is kind of on the same page, we can we can work in that regard. As right. opposed to having everybody on their separate island, just showing up, we call them come teach and leave teachers. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have a lot of come teach and leave teachers. We want to have a cohesive team. Right, right.
0: How do you, if, if you if you hire, if you interview someone who has a lot of experience, is a great teacher in the classroom, but they've only ever been a come teach and leave teacher. They've never been at a team oriented studio like yours, but you want them to become that way. How How do you how do you train them or encourage them to become more than just a come teach and leave teacher?
1: Well, I think that you can just outright say it. However, mm-hmm. there are teachers who don't want that. They sure. just, they just want to come teach and leave and that's okay because it's always good to have, you know, a couple of those on the team. That and and maybe they last a year and 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 that's actually good for your students over the long haul to have different teachers I'm not saying, you know, a revolving door every month of teachers, but if you have a teacher for a year and then she leaves and then you have another teacher for a year, that's giving you a nice, Mm -hmm. well-rounded array of teachers over the lifetime of the student. So you don't end up with students who only have had the same three teachers for their entire life. Um, But then I think it's balanced. It's also important to have some core teachers who have known the kids since they were little. And then there's, there's that real love. And there's that real connection, that personal connection. So I think it's important to have a balance, mm. the come teach and leaves make the kids a little more nervous. You know, it's like, oh, I don't really know her, like, I've never had a sleepover at her house, or I've never like, <laughs> you know, gone to, um, you know, out to dinner with her, you know, it's, it's like more of a, and so when our kids do go to New York or go to a, an intensive, they know how to interact with that, st- you know, that standoffish teacher. But then they also have relationships that are very cultivated and very nurtured and they're friends with the family and all that. I think it's right. a, it's important to have a balance in a studio environment.
2: I do, too. I, we've had some great teachers who just come in, do their thing and they go. And it's not all, always... Um, their choice to do that, but they're like, maybe in their life, like their mom and their only way they can get out is on Wednesdays from five to nine. So, you know, they're going to come flying in at five o'clock, they're going to teach and they're out and that's their night. And that's it. And sometimes that's okay. We've had some really, really great teachers that have done that. And from an employee standpoint or employer standpoint, the teachers that come in and do their thing and go home. And I never hear, um, you know, much drama from them. I love them. They're so good. I love that, you know, they're they're, yeah. just, they're great teachers. They come in, they demand respect, they do their work and they leave and they'll be back next Wednesday. And so, some of them are
1: great for a studio. Really yeah. great. You know, sometimes the problem is when you have a teacher that wants, who's the opposite of a come teach and leave, and they get so involved with the students on a personal level. And they have their own agenda that is separate from the studio's agenda. You need There needs to be boundaries.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there needs to be an appropriate amount of um, personal time spent between teachers. And, and I think that it's one thing. When I said earlier, oh, I've never been in a sleepover at that teacher's house. I'm talking about because... You're friends with the kids, with the teacher's daughter. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about our teachers inviting children over for school. <laughs> okay. The teacher's daughter is one of our dancers and she's having a group of kids over and sure. talking about that kind of relationship. But right. when it's, it's, yeah, you just need to kind of keep an eye on boundaries, yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you have any tips on how to set those boundaries? Like, is it just like very clearly outlined in a employee yeah, handbook? It, it
2: is, It is. again, setting expectations, you know, how, how you portray yourself on social media, how you um, interact with students. Um, and I think that you have to remember these are children. Mm-hmm. These are children walking in those doors and we are the adults and I am not afraid to ask the tough questions to teachers if I see something that I don't feel is appropriate. And as studio owners, we should never, we shouldn't be afraid of those things. You know, that's our job to, to help these kids grow into strong, smart, um, young people. And um, the, way we, the way we act and react to tough situations, you know, if we do see see something that we're not comfortable with, um, you know, the way we react to it is is how they're going to view us, you know, whether it's in a positive or negative light. You know, right. Right. Um, and I talk to Robin and I talk about this all the time. You know, there can be, um, you know, little scuttles in the studios. I mean, we all have seen them, have them, you know, little rumors or not between teachers and kids, we don't really have that, but there's always little dramas going around in little pockets and stuff. Your administration team does not engage in that stuff. You know, it has to kind of come up the ladder and reach us. And then it's whether or not it needs to be addressed or not addressed. Um, But the way your administrative team, you always hold your head up high and stay out of the, of the, the muck, you know, you you don't, involve yourself in
1: it. Yeah, because teenagers are gonna have a bad day. And just because you hear through the grapevine that a teenager is, you know, woe is me, the world is against me, I'm unhappy, that doesn't mean that your top administrators need to go down, reach down into that level and get in the mud with them. It's, um, you know, if there's a real issue, then that, te- that student needs to go through the proper channels and, um, you know, schedule a meeting or, or whatever. Right. And that's
2: very important. The schedule, the meeting piece is very important. Um, and not even your top administrators, but also your teachers. I mean, they need to take appropriate steps. And appropriate steps aren't, you know, instant messaging your teacher at three o'clock in the morning. Um, the appropriate step is, and I'm not saying that happened. I'm just, you know, free talking here. But, um, you know, it's it's your next dance class. Ask them if, if they can have five minutes of their time to talk about something that's bothering them. And again, these are all teaching moments. You know, it's it's not reacting and, and, you know, spitting your problems to the world. It's growing up, maturing, and
1: taking the appropriate steps. And from an HR perspective as well, whenever there are issues, we all, you know, we try to have the student, the parent the teacher and an administrator. Mm -hmm. And if not all of those people, like sometimes we can talk to a student without a parent, but sometimes it's more appropriate to have the parent. So that's something that Jamie and I will talk about a lot is, okay, we're having this issue with so-and-so do we need to call the parent in? Do we, do we talk directly with, you know, but you're, I'm not going to usually be alone in a room with a kid so that they can go back and, um, tell their parent a different version of the conversation that has happened. Um, but, you know, setting up meetings and doing the appropriate thing is, is an important it's, part. It's, of
2: for our students, staff that we have, I will a lot of times email the parent and say, Hey, do you mind if I sit down uh, with your daughter and talk about the schedule? Um, I'm seeing that she's a little stressed out. I want to make sure that she's not, um, you know, worn too thin and, stretching her time a little too tight. So I want to make sure everybody's happy. And usually the parents are like, yes, I would love for them to have a meeting, you know, an adult meeting on her own. And, and sometimes, you know, parents are saying, no, I'd love to be involved in that. So, you know, it's always just keeping people involved and abreast of what's going on is important. Yeah. Another- that,
0: that's actually a question that I, that I have is how do you handle communication with your student teachers and your work-study student staff, because you guys do have a lot of, of, of kids, of teenagers um, who work for you in some capacity or another. So how do you manage, do you communicate directly with the kids about their schedules? Do you communicate directly with the parents about that? How do you manage that? Both.
1: Mm-hmm. Both. Um, and again, the rule of thumb is that at 14 years old, we start Communicating directly with them mm-hmm. um, and will only involve the parent if there's a, a lack of communication. Mm. Um, so, every but when they're under 14, we communicate with both the parent and the student on every email. So, at 14, we can drop the parent off of the emails, but we will go to the parent if it's like, all right, we haven't heard from her, haven't heard from, you know. Susie in a while and she she needs to get back to us on that I'm gonna text Susie's mom and say hey Susie that's up.
0: so funny because I usually have the opposite problem where I'll go to a parent and say hey I need to talk to you about so-and-so's work-study schedule and they won't respond but if I text the kid and say hey I need to talk to your parents about your work-study schedule <laughs> then I'll get a response <laughs>
1: Yeah, and most cases they they're they're very responsive. But every once yeah. in a while, and you know what, this was enlightening to me. Um, last year we had a senior who you know, and you know how, from the administrative perspective, we're working on something, and it's like, all right, text her real quick and see if she can fill in, and then we don't get a response, and we're all just standing here waiting for the response so that we can move on. Well, I I confronted this one student teacher because she wasn't being responsive. And I was like, don't you understand that you're holding us up? You're holding the whole team The whole machine, yeah. Yeah. And And But her answer was very insightful. I hadn't thought of it. She said, well, usually when you text me, I'm in school. And I was like, okay. I certainly don't expect you to be texting me back during math. And second of all, a lot of times when you're asking if I can cover something, I need to check with my mom. And my mom is at work. And then when I see my mom, I don't remember immediately, like as soon as I see her at six o'clock or I don't see my mom because I go right to the studio after school. I don't see my mom a lot because it's 10 o'clock at night and she's in bed and I'm getting home or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's really insightful. So sometimes in those cases, we need to reach out to the parent and the student so that we can get them all on the, on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: I think something really, um, important about your student teachers is your student teacher team is a huge huge responsibility and it's not for everyone Mm -hmm. um it's not just this oh raise your hand if you want to do it and everybody's accepted um it's a commitment and we expect a lot from our student teachers and again it's setting those expectations and we make it very clear that if, our, if one of our kids is really involved in um, the school play and the theater outside and this and that, and they wanna do all these things, love it, go do it. That's awesome, good for you, but we can't do it all. If your thing is you wanna be a teacher when you grow up and this is going to help you on your path and you wanna try it, and this is what you wanna commit to, we would love to have you, but you know, we can't have everything on our plates. Um, and we got in a little trouble with that back in the beginning with, you know, allowing too much kids to put too much on their plates. Cause all that did was stress us out because mm-hmm. there'd be weeks at a time where we didn't have any, we didn't have enough teachers. So we're constantly scrambling. Um, So we've wised up to that and it's, it's not for everybody. And that is okay. It's, it's okay. We want you guys to do what you want to do.
1: Yeah. And And when you're in teens, When you're in Jamie's position as an HR person and you're dealing with student teachers, it's kind of a different ball of wax than it is when you're dealing with adult teachers. Because we're trying to teach these young people how to be responsible employees. And we're actually going to be expanding our student teacher program um, over the next year and incorporating just different specific lessons that I'll talk about in our membership. Um, so, but I'm really excited about just helping these young ladies develop all these skills, even outside of teaching five-year-olds how to do plie and Right, Just like standard
0: employee, employee skills and knowledge that they might not get elsewhere. Like, yeah, you can't clock in and then go eat lunch and then start work. (laughs) Like you, like if you're, you know, things, simple things like that, that aren't, really intuitive knowledge to some to teenagers yeah so jamie from an hr perspective what are things that we need to be keeping records of on our employees on our students uh student work study people like what do we need to keep track of and keep physical records of
2: so i think the big ones are the ones that everybody thinks of off the top of their heads um and they're all kind of the negative ones you know is this person um calling out a lot is this And when you have somebody who you need to keep an eye on because you know that they're kind of a problem, um, you need to keep very, very good records. You need to know that last month they called off three times and here's the dates, here's the shift they called off for, and here's the reason why. Um, and you can't, you have to keep that for years because it's very hard to... Um, fight unemployment charges. Mm. Um, but if you keep really, really good records on why you needed to terminate a person um, and it is justified, then it's justified. But if you can't prove it, you know, you your case is kind of... Uh, it's just going to willow out before it even starts. But so, right. the records are really, really
0: important. So, and, and, and shouldn't we be keeping records of these things before it becomes a problem so that we have oh it goodness, the first yes. instance? So so yes. even if you don't think that employee yes. A is having any issues, every time they call out, you still need to keep a record of that.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not just problem employees. It's everybody. And um, you need to become be in the habit of checking Checking in on, um, and and each studio is different in how they run their payroll and how they run their hours, but every single payroll, I am checking and double-checking, and nine times out of ten, the mistakes that are made are not on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's, oh my gosh, you're right, I forgot, I did not, I left at two o'clock on Saturday instead of five, I don't know why I put five on there, I'm sorry. Um, or, you know, just little things on each hour that'll cost you money if you don't keep your records. Because if I'm seeing, you know, Susie worked six hours, but she put nine hours, there's a problem. And if you're in the habit of just clicking submit hours, you could be costing your company a lot of money. So it's always checks and balances. Um, So that's where the records come in too. Even if you have an employee that never misses work, you and you're usually in the habit of just accepting her hours. Um, you know, if you, if you wrote down and you kept record that she called out a couple weeks ago, you have your mind going right back to that thing, wherever you keep your records. It's, Oh yeah, she did. That was the day. This is right. why. Um, and it's kind of, isn't an acceptable absence or not because you're not going to remember that someone called out two years ago. You're not going to remember that. Um, but if you you know if you kept your notes and you kept oh well you know her grandmother passed away that was no big deal or you know and that's with these yearly reviews too i could have seven absences but they could be like seven random horrible you know circumstances or something so i'm yep, not going to You also
1: need-, need to keep it keep track of how many times their dog died. <laughs> their dog dies like four times and it's the same dog.
2: Yes, then you got to start asking for for vet bills. And you have a right to ask for proof. I -hmm. mean, if you if you're seeing things, you have a right to ask for um, doctor's notes or and and that actually becomes a little bit sticky, because some people don't have insurance, so they can't pay for it. So every it's all situational, but you do start to have some rights
1: after becomes a habit. Yeah. Gotcha. So additional things that you keep track of are, um, clearances background checks, FBI finger, uh, the finger. Yeah, so for
2: Pennsylvania, we have to have three different clearances. We have to have our child abuse, clear child abuse clearance. We have to have, um, uh, the criminal record background check. And I also have to have the FBI fingerprinting. So they have to be renewed. Um, right now it's every three years. Um, our lovely state tends to, sometimes it's five years, sometimes it's three years. So as an HR person, that's another job that I'm constantly keeping up on. Um, what does everybody need? Do they all have it? When are they up? When do, and, and a lot of times um, my employees do them and forget about them. So it's on me to say, hey, you haven't done yours for three years. You got to mm. get on that.
1: And they say, okay, got it. Also, you keep track of um, how much people are being paid and when it's time to talk about a raise.
2: Yes. So those are all things that come up in our annual reviews as well. Um, those are things that are always sticky conversations. Um, Money is always a tough conversation to have. Um, so if I have it written out for them that they've gotten a raise two years in a row, and they know that this is a really tough year, they're probably not going to ask. They might, they might, Um, but I don't like to commit to anything right away. I like to take in the information. I like to know what they're looking for. Because if they're looking for a dollar versus they're looking for $5 as an increase, that's a huge difference. Right. Um, so if they do want to talk about money, want to talk about raises, great. I'm happy to talk with you about it. But I'm not going to give you any sort of promises at that time.
1: Yeah, that's a good that one. He's a tough one. So other things that Jamie does is when um, we have an in, a new instructor that we're interviewing. She'll You were talking about this a little bit earlier, and then I think we got sidetracked. You do the phone screens. So I'll put the word out, hey, we're hiring. And Mm -hmm. then if you um, are interested in submitting your resume, send it to either Jamie or me. And then I will... um, Sometimes Jamie gets the resumes, Sometimes I get them. If we think right off the bat, they're a no-go because they have no dance training at all or something like that, then we just scrap it. But if it's something worth taking the next step, then Jamie will do a phone screen. And then... From there, if they pass that, then we take it to the next step, which is um, what, Jamie?
2: So the initial phone screen, I'm looking for um, professionalism. How is this person uh, communicating with me? Um, I talk about their background. I talk about why they left their jobs. That is a huge piece of information that every person should be asking their potential people. Why did you leave your last position? Why are you looking for a job? And if they start bashing their previous job, huge, stop it there. Yeah. Stop it there. They they'll do it again and again and again and again. And you don't want to set yourself up to be in a bad position. Um, So talking about why they're looking for a job, talking about their experience, talking about what types of age groups do you like working with? If somebody does not like working with little kids and that's what we need right now and you know it's it's good to know all these things going into an interview so that and i also like to get pay ranges and i always tell them to i'm not looking for you to give me a steadfast number i need a ballpark and you know we can talk about it after i meet you and after i see you work but what are what kind of range are you looking for and if their range is $150 an hour and there's no way I could ever hire this person, okay, it was great talking to you. Maybe I can bring you in for a masterclass or something. Like it's a great, yeah. <laughs> it's a great, you know, it's a great relationship to to have, because maybe they're a stellar teacher, maybe it's a one-off, you know, like a masterclass um but if their price range is somewhere in what we're looking for then you know we move on to the next step the next step is hey i want you to come into our studio check us out meet us give a give our studio um a, we're going to walk you around have a tour meet some of our families you're going to meet robin um and robin's going to sit down with you a little bit we're going to give you the answers to the test we're going to show you what we like to see um, and again I've said it a hundred times. It's setting expectations with our teachers. If we put them in a classroom that we love this teacher and we want another one of this person, they know what we're looking for. Mm, If we put them in somebody who just started with us and is not familiar with what we need, you know, that's setting them up for potential failure. So it's always just, there's a rhyme and a reason to every step that we take. Um, so anyway, we, we bring them in, they meet with Robin, they do a tour and they usually watch a few classes. If they're going to, if they're a modern teacher, we put them with our, our great modern teacher and say, this is what, you know, we like to see. These are the skills that this age group's working on. These are the, this is the tempo that we like to see. Um, and come back next week. Now we want to see you do it. So it's a big process for them to get hired at EMC. Um, but we want them. To have to go through a few hoops because then they're serious about it yeah if they get annoyed with like I you know I don't want to do these two steps then and they're not you know, for you right they're not for us exactly <laughs> for us exactly oh well Jamie so
0: thank you so much for being here I feel like you're a wealth of knowledge and 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 this is all really important and helpful information so Thanks thank you for so much Yeah. Well, before we go, we want to end on a high note. So we share something that has made our hearts happy. So, Jamie, what's something that's brightened your day recently?
2: So I am a huge, huge Christmas person. So everything about Christmas just makes me happy. And, you know, all of my little decorations around my house and all the little twinkling lights just make me smile. So that is what made my heart happy today so far.
1: That's awesome. Yay. How about you, Robin? So two nights ago, it was 11 o'clock, I was ready to turn off the TV and go to bed, and in comes Brendan, my youngest, he's 19, and he plops down on the sofa and he's like, um, what's going on, mom? And I'm like, oh, you want to talk at 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday? Okay. So I sat with him for until 2 a.m. And <sighs> because when your 19-year-old son says, hey, let's hang out. Yeah. Hang out. So, oh, that's so awesome. You know, the next morning, I was not happy, but <laughs> it, was, it was nice to hear him talk about, you know, him trying to figure out his next steps. And then, of course, with Brendan, he always needs to show me YouTube videos of some obscure musician and educate me about them and went down all kinds of rabbit holes. But it was just good to hang out with my kid. And yeah, even if it was late and not my old lady body hated me in the morning it's okay it was worth it
0: that's awesome that's great um let's see i am so i had not such a great moment i i came back to the studio uh i came into the studio one one morning and to find some flooding and fortunately it wasn't in our actual dance rooms. It was mostly just in the lobby, but I spent the whole day cleaning up and moving furniture and cleaning behind things and underneath things. And I finally decided that our rugs were not salvageable. So I trashed the rugs and canceled classes that night just so everything could dry out. And I had so many parents reaching out to be like, hey, how can I help? What can I do? You need a new rug? (laughs) And it was just so nice to like get that I I I didn't wind up taking anybody up on any of their offers but it was just so nice to have people have like a community instead of being perturbed that classes were canceled they wanted to offer their help and so that was that was just
1: really nice that is really nice yeah yeah good for you see there's always little nuggets of happiness
0: yeah and we got to find good. them i think i think this exercise of of finding those little nuggets is every you know every week is
1: really has been really helpful for me during covid to yeah and it's nice when i go back and listen to our podcast every once in a while it's like oh yeah that was fun that was a was a nice little nugget yeah <laughs> Oh, awesome. All right. Well,
0: Jamie, thank you again for being here. And thank you for having me. Yay. And we will be back. Actually, we will not be back next week. We're going to take a little break over the holidays um, for just two weeks. We're going to take off and then we'll be back in the new year. So we are excited for wrapping things up um, in our community and coming back with fresh new ideas in January. Yep. Have a Merry All Christmas. Right. Happy Merry Holidays. Christmas and happy
2: holidays guys.
0: Yes, happy New Year, happy everything and we'll see you in a few weeks. Bye.
1: Bye.